Hello, hello. We are back, baby. Episode 7. 7. That sounds right. Gotta be 7, right? Yeah. Well, if it's not, I'm gonna look really stupid. So, (laughs) episode 7 of The Bentley Show. I am your host, Scott Bentley. What a last couple of days we have had. Um... Today's show is a good one. I'm going to say that about all of them, so, you know, whatever. But uh, quite a bit to talk about. The Tigers signed uh, Nomar Mazzara, so we're going to break that down a little bit, what that means. Then we're going to, now that I think we probably have all of our offensive pieces we're going to sign for the year set. So we're going to take a look at what the opening day lineup could look like for this team, kind of project the lineup. Then the Pistons. We're going to talk about the Pacers game. Uh, Isaiah Stewart's first start. Josh Jackson looks pretty good. Just break all that down. Sekou had a weird role. Jeremy Grant, all that kind of stuff. Then the Detroit Red Wings played the Predators last night. So we're going to talk about that. The defense continues to be the defense. Uh, and the coaching at the end of the game. Really the coaching always, but specifically at the end of the game, was horrible as well as the power play. Um, then the Detroit Football Lions, there was, for starters, J.J. Uh, Watt has been released by the Houston Texans. So we're going to talk about uh, if that's a possibility or if it should be a possibility with the Detroit Lions. Um, and then... We're going to talk a little bit about, uh, there was a little, a certain writer put out on the Twitter sphere asking, is Matt Stafford a top five athlete in Detroit sports history? And it made the rounds and was probably one of the most talked about tweets of the week. Um, And we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the, uh, where Stafford kind of falls and, and if his ranking is, is overshooting, um, and all that kind of stuff. So, again, welcome back to the Bentley Show. I'm your host, Scott Bentley. Let's get into it. The Detroit Baseball Tigers have officially signed Nomar Mazzara to a one-year, $1.75 million deal plus incentives. Uh, what does this mean? Well, I almost, you know, I said after the Jonathan Scope signing that I wasn't going to pop bottles for mediocre signings. I almost popped some bottles for this one. Not because I think Nomar Mazzara is some incredible talent, because he's not. But this means that this organization does not think Victor Reyes is a starter going forward. It's a beautiful day. It's a beautiful Hands up, hands to the sky, hallelujah, praise whatever you praise, Lord thank you. This organization actually doesn't think Victor Reyes is an everyday starting outfielder, and that that almost makes me emotional. I get teary-eyed thinking about how beautiful of a moment that is in the, in the history of this wonderful city. Today should be a top 10 day. In, in Detroit history, just off of the sheer fact that Al Avila and the front office 
have accepted and, and actually understand that Victor Reyes is not an everyday starting outfielder. That's beautiful. You want to know the definition of beautiful? That's beautiful. I'm so happy. So happy. That aside, though, and and people hate on me so much. Victor Reyes has, has for whatever reason, become the most one of the most controversial players in, in the organization. I am not going to come on here and say Victor Reyes is a garbage can or that he's terrible or not a major league talent because that's not true. He is a solid fourth outfielder. He is, and that's what he should continue to be. He is not that good. He is not an everyday starting outfielder for a good team. He's not even an everyday starting outfielder for a bad team. He is a solid fourth outfielder, and there is value in that. And look, most Rule 5 picks are are off of Major League rosters by the end of the season. So the fact that he is a success story. He is. Victor Reyes is a success story. But you can be a success story and not be a a perennial all-star like on the cusp of greatness. He's not that good. He's like, you know... Barely a one-war player. I don't even think he is a one-war player. And he's been in the league three years now. I don't get everyone's fascination with him. He's like, it's not that deep. It's not that big of a deal. He's a solid fourth outfielder. We we, we found someone in a Rule 5 draft. Most, Like I said, 95% of Rule 5 picks are back in the minors by the end of the season. So the the fact that he's still in the majors three years later and is, is and has value to our team because he does provide positive value as a fourth outfielder, I fully agree and admit that. He it's it's that all being said and that's all true. Both can be true. I guess is my point. That can all be true, and he cannot be good enough to be an everyday starting outfielder for a competitive baseball team. Success story in the Rule 5 draft does not equal solidified stud borderline all-star. Any if your if your Rule 5 pick is on your major league roster after the year you draft them, that's a success story. Cuz most don't even get that far, okay? So, now that my Victor Reyes rant is over, let's talk about Nomar Mazara himself. Uh Nomar had 3 Years, three or four years, three, I think, whatever. He played for Texas for a minute. Um, and then last year played with the Chicago White Sox. Um, look again, I'm going to, I'm going to reiterate. I said, uh, about, I'm going to reiterate points I made about previous signings earlier in the week again. So, we are getting this guy for less than $2 million AAV, okay? He, he's not that good. We can't, we can't come into the... It's a great value signing, absolutely. Getting, a, getting a, your starting right fielder, who's probably going to be around the middle of the lineup, 
for less than $2 million AAV is great. But the only reason that he's a middle-of-the-lineup hitter and a starter on your team is because of how bad you are. Not because he is actually deserving of that title, if that makes sense. So, value-wise, this is a good signing. I like the signing. But I just want to... People people get way too riled up way, way too easily these days, I feel like. This team is still horrible. This offseason was still very subpar and very underwhelming. And... Uh, signings like this and signings like uh, we made earlier in the week with a couple of minor league deals we already talked about, those are the kind of signings you, you make when you're playing the cheap game. You you take chances and cheap deals on guys that have the potential to blow up. That's why we wanted Dahl, right? That's what I view Dahl as, a cheap guy who has the potential to be an all-star. That's why, that's why I wanted Dahl. That's why that whole thing started. That's why Dahl to Detroit was a thing. That, that I that I created, but that's the kind of moves you have to make. And Mazzara is, in my eyes, a lesser extent, the same thing. Which is good. Again, I like this signing. I, I just want to start all this off with I really like this signing. That being said, if you're going into this thinking that we just found a diamond in the rough and he's going to hit like 40 home runs and, and oh my gosh, Alavila fleece the league. Like he, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want you to get your, your hopes up to just to be crushed. Like, like he is still a sub $2 million AAV player. Um, and uh, yeah. So, Let's just talk about him as a player, though. What kind of player are we expecting, okay? He hit ball hard. He hit ball very hard, which is awesome. That's amazing. Um, He actually played a pretty decent defensive right field uh, as well, which is a nice change of pace, um, I guess I'd say, to what we're used to in, in the corner outfield positions historically. So... He's not some gold glove or anything, but he actually, you know, advanced metrics say that he actually was a plus defender. He was actually eyed out there. But you sign him for his bat. Uh, Mazzara at one point was a top prospect with the Rangers. Uh, he was coming up through the system and everybody raved about, how, you know, his, his potential power. Um, and now, and look, here's the other thing that's exciting about him. He's only 25. So... If he does really well, this this gives you multiple avenues, okay? We, we love to talk about multiple avenues on this show, I'm realizing, with the Lions specifically. But um, so so if he, if he sucks, so what? You took a chance on him. You're going to lose 100 games anyway. You took a chance on him. It didn't work out, whatever. You lost $1.75 million. You're the third richest owner in baseball, okay? Who even cares? Now, if he does well. You have the ability to flip him at the deadline. Great. We always love that. Okay. That's like uh that's like our 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 motto basically the last four years. Sign him and maybe you can flip him at the deadline. So that's that's already you know something to look forward to. But then again, he's only twenty five. So if he does well 
and you can keep him for reasonably cheap, you know, in the in the five to ten million dollars AAV range. Why not? Why not throw a a, a three to four year contract at him? Why not? And obviously that depends on how well he does, you know, and 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 if, yeah, it, it depends on how well he does. I'm I'm not saying no matter what, throw it at him. You know, if he if he sucks, like I said, if he sucks, he sucks. And I'm never, anytime you sign a dude to a one year deal, if we can flip him at the deadline and get a couple of C level prospects, I'm never going to be mad at that. Um, but he is young enough where where if he does do well above what we are projecting or what he has done the last couple of years. He absolutely has the potential to be a guy that uh, we could we could stick and see in our right field for the next couple of years at least, which is which is cool. Um, the kind of player he is, okay? He is all or nothing. That that's really the best way to put it. He, when he gets a hold of a ball, he crushes the baseball. There's a YouTube video floating around of like his 500 foot home run, right? Like he he cranks things. Um, that being said, that's you know pretty that's like his thing. That's like it. Historically, again, the Tigers also said that they've had their eye on him for a couple of off seasons now, um, and that he has ties within the organization and with our new hitting coach. That's kind of exciting. It's you know we got our guy, which is cool. I'm all about it. I'm all I'm all about. Uh, you know, you realize that you need another outfielder and going to get your guy. I, I love that. So I'm totally fine with that. Um, he, he doesn't walk a lot much, much at all. Again, not Jonathan scope levels of, of low, but not very often. Uh, he strikes out a ton. He swings and misses a ton. Um, but when he gets a hold of it, <laughs> he gets a hold of it. So that, that, this is a project. This is a, this is a, like I said, a former top prospect that we have taken in. He obviously has the, the raw power to be successful at the major league level. He cranks the baseball. His exit velocity is still phenomenal. Even with a horrible batting average, his exit velocity is still in the upper percentiles of baseball, and his hard hit percentage was in the 90th percentile of baseball. He still cranks the hell out of the baseball when he makes contact. Um, it's just a matter of making contact. So, hopefully, you know, with the cool thing is, is I'm excited about these kind of projects now. Before, it was kind of like, whatever, this is a rental, whatever because our coaching staff was terrible. This coaching staff is elite. The Detroit Tigers ha- have tripped over themselves and landed into a arguably top five coaching staff in the sport. We have an exceptional staff uh, by any account you ask. So these are fun now. These kind of experiments like that are fun as hell now. Um, so what does this mean for the lineup? Okay. I'm not going to do like where they're batting in the lineup per se, but we can go position by position. So catcher is going to be Wilson Ramos, um, which again, went out, got your guy. He's going to be the starting catcher. Uh, backup is still kind of up for grabs. I'd say there's probably a competition going into camp for who's going to be backup catcher, but Ramos is the starting catcher. Okay. Uh, first base is, so, 
at, at the at the major league level, we do not technically speaking have a a, uh, a first baseman. Uh, but we had the signing earlier this week, um, so we are go. <laughs> we're not going into. Um, we're not going into the season without a first baseman. That being said, uh, tech again, technically speaking, we, we don't have one currently, but, uh, we did make that signing earlier this week. So we will have one going into, uh, what's it called? Opening day. That's the word. I really struggled to get through that sentence. Um, second base is going to be scope. Shortstop is People think Willie Castro. It's not Willie Castro is not going to be an opening day starting shortstop. It's going to be Nico. Um, again, I, I personally I would like us to get a shortstop, but like if that's out of the question, then uh, then sure. Um, you know, Nico played great defense last year. He just couldn't hit anything. So it's going to be Nico. Willie's going to come off the bench and provide um, those kind of. Uh, He's going to get opportunities at shortstop and second is my point. And he might even get some opportunities in like left field or something at some point. But uh, he, he he's such a horrible defensive shortstop that there's no way he's just going to be the everyday starting shortstop going into the season. It's probably going to be Nico. Third base is Candy. I just realized, I don't think I said who our first baseman is. Uh, Renato. Renato Nunez is the guy we signed to the minor league deal. So he, if everything goes according to plan, he's going to be the starting first baseman. Scope at second, Nico at short, Candy at third. Um, opening day starter, I would like to be Turnbull. Catcher will be uh, Ramos. The outfield will be, I think the outfield is pretty much set in stone at this point. There's not too much argument there anymore. After the Mazzara signing. So it'll be the uh, Jacoby show in center. Robbie Grossman in left. Um, and then Nomar Mazzara in right. With Victor Reyes being the fourth outfielder as he should. Um, so yeah, I think that's what the lineup's going to look like on opening day. Uh, it's by far the worst lineup in the division. And one of the bottom five outfields and or outfields lineups worst lineup in the division bottom five lineup in baseball probably not bottom three anymore Colorado Pittsburgh Baltimore probably still have worse but this is probably still the fourth worst lineup in baseball I mean we could end the season with no one on this team having a having a OPS plus of over 100 and that would be like super feasible so um but you know at, at least we're filling holes that's something uh I'm not gonna sit up here and give this offseason an A or a B it's you know we didn't we didn't like do anything and and uh, you know some of these guys could have potential to be part of the future of this team but but Odds are pretty good they don't. Uh, I mean, this is a whatever offseason. We filled holes we needed to with cheap guys. Sure. Uh, it's not an F, but it sure as hell ain't an A or a B. This is like a, a C-minus offseason. Sure, why not? 
is pretty much my reaction to every signing we made. Sure, why not? Okay. All right. That's it for the Detroit Baseball Tigers. Now the Detroit Basketball Pistons. Uh, we lost to the Indiana Pacers last night. What was it? 95 to 111? That sounds right-ish. I should probably know that. Um, we scored less than 100. They scored over 100. That's all you need to know. Now, this game in itself was pretty ugly for most of the roster. Uh, like most of the roster. Like a really large percentage. Like probably... A lot of people looked really bad. That being said, let's just think about po- the positives, okay? Three people looked good. And two of those three people looked maybe the best we've seen out of them. Uh, so, first off, we'll start with this. Jeremy Grant finally had an off day. It sucks. It happens whatever that's kind of two games in a row where he's kind of been a little little iffy um but he's still an all-star vote still an all-star damn it um so jeremy grant kind of had an off night didn't shoot very well in particular uh was pretty much net net zero on the defensive and he had a really nice block actually uh but on the offensive side of the ball just not uh didn't have it now who should I talk about first? Well, let's talk about Josh Jackson. Let's save the center position for last because that's a weird one. Josh Jackson looked unbelievable. Unbelievable. We have we have never and, – and Josh Jackson got off to a hot start this year. But we have never seen – I ain't never, ever. We have never seen Josh Jackson attack – the rim like he did last night. He he feared no man. No man. He was going after Miles Turner. After him. He said, what you know about it, I don't fear no one. And just attacked him at the basket. He was, we have never seen him, him cut and attack the basket like he did last night. That was an unbelievable showing by him. And his finishing ability is gross. Good gross. Just filthy. Some of the, I, I mean, I, I posted a couple of them on Twitter, man. You, you can go check them out. Some of his finishes were ridiculous, man. Oh, my gosh. Ridiculous. He, he's flying oh he looked phenomenal uh and and like I said the the ability to to go get a bucket whenever you want at the rim is so valuable because he's proven that the shot will come and go he's proven that sometimes the shot's on for him that's why he got off to that that hot start at the beginning of the year and sometimes it's off and that's what the lull he went to after he came back from his injury went through that little blah phase that's that's living evidence of that okay but if you can drive to the basket and get a good look, get a good look, get a dunk, get a lab, get a finish, that, that, that's not going to waver. That, that doesn't come and go like the jump shot does sometimes. 
The ability to just go attack the rim and get a bucket and finish with a layup, you know, that's 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 too valuable. Too valuable. So Josh Jackson looked phenomenal. Um I beyond impressed, man. Beyond impressed. Some of the some of the move oh man. I, I highly recommend either just watching like the highlights um of, of Josh Jackson's game or just rewatching the whole game and just keeping your eye on him because it he put on a clinic a finishing clinic and some of them were oh my gosh he had one like up and under move where he cut he started with the ball high went under the defender's arm and then back up as he's in midair flying oh man it words don't do it justice it was beautiful 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 um that's those are the ones where like afterwards after he finishes it, you have like that that facial expression of you just smelled like like sniffing salts, like oh, like that's that's the kind of stuff he was putting on display. Nasty, 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 nasty. He's too nice with it, baby. Too nice with it. Okay, the center position. We had Jaleel Okafor and uh, Plumlee both out, both were inactive. So Isaiah Stewart got his first. NBA start and boy oh boy did he come through first off he he won the opening tip off already electric factory okay I was so pumped (laughs) it's the most excited I've ever been off of a off of a tip off in my entire life I'm so happy he won his first career tip off um he was he was he was unbelievable he was he was unreal 17 points, and this is a guy that has had multiple games this year where he's gone 0 for from the field, like 0 for 6, 0 for 5 shooting from the field several times this season. His first career start, 31 minutes, 17 points, 7 boards, 1 assist, 8 of 9 shooting from the field, 1 block, 2 steals, 0 turnovers. Oh, Gosh, I love him. I love him. I love him. I love him. Oh my gosh. I I could talk about it for a whole hour. I could literally have a show called the Isaiah Stewart show and just talk about him for an hour every day. And that could be a daily one, seven days a week. Don't care. I just talk about how much I love him. I am obsessed with Isaiah Stewart, the beef stew. So here's my thing with the beef stew nickname, by the way. Okay. I feel like this is important to address. Um, I understand the origin of beef stew. I, I understand, you know, and then it got set on air and we can, we kind of have to run with it now. Here's my thing. Beef stew is, is a little long. You know what I mean? Not, you know, it, it's not that long, but I think I just want to, I just call him beef. I literally just call him beef. I think that's way harder of a nickname. Like I understand his name, Stuart beef stew. haha. Like I, I get it. And, and I'm calling him beef and the origin comes from beef stew. I'm giving it its credit. That's where it came from. But I just want to call him beef. How hard of it. That's so cold. What? That's such a sick nickname. Just call him Beef. Beef. 
He's a jacked mountain of a human center. I th- I I just have been calling him beef. That's all I've called him. I haven't really joined the beef stew. Not that it's it's a you know it is a little corny, but like I just think beef is a hard nickname, bro. I think beef is so hard. Um, back to his game though. Uh, again, seven seven boards, which is which is awesome. Four of the seven were offensive rebounds. Four. Over half of his boards last night were offensive. What? He's a rookie. He's been in the league three weeks. Gosh. Man, I love him. I love him so much. Oh, he just makes me feel some type of way. And then, oh, the one play, the the one play, the one play where he gets the block that outruns all of the other nine dudes on the court, outlet pass right over his shoulder, Willie Mays catches it, then dunks it. Block, runs the court, dunk. He gets it, man. He gets it. We Like, people, people that live here understand that kind of, mentality that we like that's why Bruce Brown was a fan favorite here he wasn't ever going to drop 30 points on your head but I'll be damned if he wasn't a ferocious as hell perimeter defender going to make you work for every bucket that's why Bruce Brown was a fan favorite that's why Ben Wallace averaging six points a game for his career was a fan favorite same thing with Rodman that's we love that that going to work blue collar type of play Isaiah Stewart if he stays on the Pistons for a long time, will go down as one of the biggest fan favorites in the history of the Detroit Pistons. And and the crazy thing is, saying that three weeks into a dude's NBA career may seem kind of wild, but I don't think anybody listening to this is like, oh, damn, I don't know, that seems like a hot take. Like, this isn't even me trying to trying to get, you know, you know, like – like video snippets to post on, on on social media and be like, look at my hot take. Like, I don't even think it's that hot of a take. I think pretty much everybody is in the same boat of like, yeah, if he plays like he did last night as a rookie and only grows from there. I mean, he says all the right things. He gets the city, man. He just gets it. He gets it. He gets it. He gets it. And, and I just think that's so important when, when you're playing, when you're playing here, it's so important. He gets the mentality. He gets the city. I love him to death. Uh, the only other thing with the center position is that Sekou Dumboya was playing center minutes because Isaiah Stewart was the only one on the roster. Uh, so I think it's kind of funny that during the offseason, people were like, oh, the Pistons are just signing all these centers. And then last night we had to have our our twenty year old small forward play backup center because we didn't have enough active. So, yeah, for sure, bro. Definitely signed way too many centers. Absolutely. Um, but Seku was like respectable. He was he didn't he didn't play um all center. He, he played sixteen minutes. They weren't all at center. But he played a lot of center at, at the end of the first quarter. Because they wanted uh, they wanted Stewart to be out there before halftime and then be rested for the second half. So Seku played 
uh, center pretty much the entire like last three or four minutes, maybe even, of the first quarter. And he actually and look, I'm not going to come on here and say that like he, you know, the future of his career is possibly being a five because that's absolutely ridiculous. But to to be to be 20 years old and have the versatility to be to be respectable and and look the way he did at the center position is not bad. He he there was some some struggles defensively which was expected because he struggles defensively guarding his own position nonetheless center. So so you know and again this this is a weird ass role for him to be in and and so Take it with a grain of salt. You know what I mean? This dude's not doesn't have a future of being a five by by any means. But it was it was interesting to watch him kind of for carve his way into this role for even if it is albeit one game. Yeah, struggled on defense, but actually, I mean, he had six boards in sixteen minutes. Respect. Isaiah Stewart is the center and had seven in thirty one. So so respect. Uh, and then he had six points on 50% shooting. He shot three of six from the field. He had a couple of nice finishes. Got to do it on a pump fake down low in the post. Um, you know, I'm all about it, man. And and I think it's more important, honestly, than it is just like, hey, that he plays center. Because it's, again, no part of Sekou Dumbuya's future in the league involves him playing minutes at center. But I think there is... A very big part of his future will be him, whether it's a tryout or whether it's permanent or whether it's it's a backup role, whatever, will be at the four. And he'll be a stretch four, absolutely. But having that experience of going up against bigger dudes in the paint is so vital to his development, being that he's going to get a lot of minutes as a power forward in, in his career if, if things go according to plan. So... I have no problem with it. I was confused as hell when it happened because I didn't realize that we only had one active center on the roster for this game. So I was confused as hell, and I had to have someone on Twitter explain it to me. Um, but I, I was I was super pleased with how he looked. Again, Swiss cheese defense did not look good defending the paint. But again, that that I think that's. That's a big development piece, and and you know he could never practice at the five ever again, and and I could just be spewing nonsense, but um, I think that that there is something to be said for for how well he looked offensively down low, being that he's probably going to get a lot of minutes at the four in his career. All right, I think that'll do it for the Detroit basketball Pistons. We now move on to the Detroit hockey. Red Wings. What a frustrating loss last night was. What an infuriating loss. Um, I I was livid. My post game recap, uh, which you can see on my Twitter or my Instagram, is me yelling. And, and look, that's that's really hard for me to do these days. When all four teams are this bad. And my expectations for all of them are so low. You know what I mean? It's hard for me to get riled up and be pissed off about one of the historically worst hockey teams in the history of this franchise losing like their 11 of their last 12th game. You know what I mean? Like that's, 
It takes a special kind of stupid or bad to get me that riled up when your team is in the middle of full tank mode. Because I'm not delusional. I understand that we are in the middle of full tank and rebuild mode across all four teams. I know. So to all the people that are like, oh, you know, the ones that piss me off the most are like, oh, you should be happy with a loss. First off, I understand the concept of tanking. Thank you for explaining it to me at Jack37652. Okay. Thank you so much. I'm, I'd never heard of tanking before you enlightened me with your seven followers. Thank you so much. But uh, on a, on a serious note, I, when people, it's like, okay, yes, obviously I, again, I understand how tanking works. I get it. I, you you can't lose every game. You can't. It's not good to lose every game. I don't care. I don't I don't care if it if it solidifies the the whatever the t- A This is like C. This is already my third point. I don't know why I said A. Um also, have you not seen the lottery the last 4 years? Where have you been? We put together one of the worst hockey teams in the history of hockey last year and did not even get a top three pick in what was believed to be a three-player top of the draft. Please explain to me why it's beneficial that we just kill everybody's confidence and ruin this locker room and just intentionally lose every game. Please make it make sense because it doesn't. And again, I understand the concept of tanking. I, I, I am a Pistons fan. I totally understand that being caught in the middle and being mediocre is the worst position to be in in sports, and I fully agree. Here's the thing. Me wanting us to win is not going to change the fact that this hockey team's horrible. I don't need to root for the Red Wings to lose. They're going to freaking do it themselves. I promise. This team blows. I promise. My uh, alliance to to wanting them to win every once in a damn while will not change the fact that they probably won't. Okay? And the reason last night pissed me off so much is because you can lose. You can lose and still have players develop. You can lose a lot of games, and that's what I want. Win or loss doesn't even matter to me that much at this point. I understand we are horrible, but at a minimum, I would rather be the second or worst team in hockey and be playing all the young kids and get them experience and get them them some sort of development than playing a bunch of veterans that are going to be off the team in a year. Why on earth, in a tie game with two minutes left, and then in a one-goal game with 45 seconds left, did Philip Zadina not see the ice? How is that justifiable? Especially when Franz Nielsen did. Please justify that somehow. You can't.
You can't. It was one of the most egregious coaching decisions I've seen. And, and and maybe that's not even true. Maybe the fact that it's Blashill is just, he's trash. Blash to the trash. Oh my gosh. That's the kind of stuff that pisses me off. I know we're going to lose. I know all four of these teams are going to lose a majority of their games, and we are in a full rebuild. I've come to terms with it. I've accepted it. I go into every single game of all four of these trash teams right now and expect to lose. I don't expect a single one of these teams to win. I don't clear, turn on the TV and I'm puck drop, go, damn, I really think we're going to win tonight. Not one time have I done that this year. So that kind of stuff doesn't, losses don't piss me off. It's it's the inept coaching that makes me upset. Because again, you can lose games, and I've said this a bunch of times on this show, you can lose games and still instill a winning culture. You can lose a ton of games and still be trying to win. You can lose a ton of games and still develop your young pieces. There is so much value in development, obviously. And, and, and you can still accomplish and build towards a winning program so, and a winning franchise so much while being garbage and losing almost every game. You can. I know it doesn't seem like it because we look horrible, but I promise it's true. But... This coach is not doing that. We are just losing and, and and oh my gosh, the power play. Do not get me started on how horrible this power play is. Do you know how demoralizing it is to a team to literally have to be on a power play in order for the game to feel like it's at even strength? The lines are trash. The power play is trash. The late game management is trash. It's all garbage. So again, I get it. I get it. I totally understand that we are going to lose and we're going to lose a lot. I am not delusional. I know. But there is so much that can still be accomplished while you're losing every night. And I don't feel like we're accomplishing anything. And we're just going out there and losing. I want a top pick. We need a top pick. We need more talent in the system. We need more talent to look forward to. I want us to have a top pick. I want the tank to go forward. But you can tank... And develop guys and still grow as a team and get better. Or you can do what we're doing, which is just tank, be garbage, and, and, and accomplish absolutely nothing. There's a very big difference between those two things. And I don't feel like, well, I feel like one of them is pretty obviously what we're doing. 
I don't feel like we're, we're, we're developing anybody. I don't feel like we're growing towards anything. And, and the, the biggest highlight of that is Philip Zadina not playing the entirety of the last two minutes of the hockey game while Franz Nielsen played almost all of them. That is the, the biggest example I can, I can shine a, a massive skylight on. And be like, this is my point. I'm not saying we put Zadina out there and we win. I'm not saying we put Zadina out there and, and, and that's a guaranteed he ties it up. But there is no justification for a rebuilding team to be benching their former first round pick. That's still young as hell and has grown a ton this year. Not playing him in crunch time to get him the experience of playing in crunch time, which can't be replicated in practice or any other scenario other than playing in crunch time of an NHL hockey game. He just lost out on an experience. And sure, we could be in a close game again and he could play him. That one is forever gone. That that learning... That, that two minutes of learning and growth as a player is forever dismissed and, and, is, and, and will never come back. And Franz Nielsen was on the ice. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. It's undefendable. It's unjustifiable. And, and again, I sound like a broken record. That's the kind of stuff that pisses me off about a rebuild. Not the wins and losses. That crap. That pisses me off. I've voiced my displeasures with some of Dwayne Casey's rotations for the same reason. And Lord knows I had a lot to say about how Garden Hire managed. And we don't even need to talk about Matt Patricia. That I would be okay if I never spoke about him ever again. That's the kind of stuff that pisses me off, man. Unexcusable, undefendable, and and should be. <laughs> this sounds a little harsh, but but should be punished by by losing a job. I want Blashill gone. I want him gone. I want him gone now, not at the end of the season. Even though I guess it doesn't really matter. Again, it, it doesn't matter to the win loss. In my opinion, it, it does matter to the locker room. And I think there's value in that. Call me old-fashioned. I think there's value in that. So, blast to the trash. The campaign continues. My uh, my my buddy Kevin and I have been been trying to get people to, to hop on that train, um, and it's slowly growing over time. So so hashtag black blast to the trash, baby. Um, but <sighs> kind of stuff pisses me off, man. Pisses me off. All right. Let's move on to the Detroit Football Lions. We're going to start with the Stafford thing. Uh, so, a, a certain writer tweeted out a certain Twitter account. I don't even know if he's technically like paid writer. Whatever. A bigger account in the Detroit sports community asked, Is Matt Stafford a top five Detroit sports athlete of all time. I'm going to be honest with you. 
this is one of the most ridiculous questions I've ever seen in my life. Um, because if you changed five to 20, the answer is still probably no. You could, you, you know, you start getting into fringe talk with 25 and you, you could probably say he's a, he's a top 30 for sure. That's fine. But Matt, look, I love him. I love him to death. I think he's underrated. I think he he is criminally underrated. I think he is one of I mean he's the best quarterback in the history of the franchise. And and I think he's going to do great things in LA. And and I think the organization failed him, not the other way around. I am a Matt Stafford defender until the day I die. But holy cow. Top 5 in a city Let's just forget three of the teams, okay? Let's just forget about the entire his the other Lions that are clearly ahead of them, which there's at least two. All of the Detroit Pistons and all of the Detroit Tigers, which is one of the most storied franchises in baseball history. As is the Pistons in basketball, honestly. The Detroit Red Wings alone, by themselves, may, just may, have 20 players that are better than Matthew Stafford. It's a maybe. I'm not saying it's guaranteed. I haven't sit down, I haven't sat down and, and wrote a list of, of 20 wings better. But let's be completely honest with ourselves. There's an argument that he's that he's not even a, a, a top 10 or 15. Here, Okay, we'll say this. Guaranteed, he's not even a top 10 athlete just comparing him to the Detroit Red Wings. Guaranteed, not a chance. Zero, literally impossible to argue. Okay? Impossible. And that's only one team, and, and it's top 10, not top 5. There is no way he is even close to a top five athlete in the city of Detroit, in the history of Detroit. You're talking about 100 years of Tigers baseball, what, 60 years of Detroit Pistons basketball, the same-ish, a little bit more, the original six, so 70-ish years of Detroit Red Wings hockey which is the second most storied franchise in all of hockey and one of the most storied franchises in sports. Not to mention the fact that even the Lions themselves with no Super Bowls and are one of the laughing stocks of the league, he's not even top two at a minimum. Let's just, let's just give him, let's say he's, he's the third best athlete in Lions history. Okay, there's no argument for him being better than Barry. There's not. And there's no argument for him being better than Calvin, in my opinion. There's not. Calvin and Barry are ahead of Stafford. Honestly, let's let's just even have more fun with it. Okay? Let's just say he's better than Calvin. He's not, but let's say he is. Just just to make sure there's no chance that you could possibly think otherwise. Okay? 
So I guess my point is, even if you wanted to try and argue that he was a top five athlete in Detroit sports history, there's no way that being the second best Lion, one of the worst franchises in all of sports, being the second best Lion, especially when you're competing with the other three franchises that actually have really, really fruitful histories, that, that he's going to end up being top five. He would have to be the best Lion ever, which he's not. And, and he would have to. That's the only way you could you could argue it. He would have to be – you would – you would have to think Stafford greater than Barry Sanders. That's that's the only way you can justify him being a top five athlete in Detroit sports history. That's the only way. So unless you think that, which if you do think that, we're just done having the conversation because you're so wrong. It, it's not even worth me having this debate with you. It's like that's that happens sometimes. Sometimes people say stuff that's so ridiculous it's not even worth countering because you're like, I'm never getting through to you. You're an idiot. And that's fine. That's fine. Nothing's personal. We're just talking about sports. It's a game, okay? But sometimes you just look at a, you look at a take and you go, and, and you know what? Some people might think that about some of my takes. Some people might listen to things I say or, or see the things I send out there and go, wow, this dude's such an idiot. I'm not even... Now, I have too, way too many people replying to me to believe that that's true most of the time, but it's possible. Unless you think Matt Stafford is better than Barry Sanders, there's no way you can think that he's in the top five lines ever. Because with how good the other three franchises are, there's no way two Lions are in the top five. There's no way. There's no way. And again, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and even really like break down and make a list. I'd have to really think about it for a long time. It would take me probably weeks to get a decisive top five guaranteed. There is no way, no way Matt Stafford even sniffs the top five. And again, this isn't supposed to be a drag fest. I love the dude to death. I'm a defender of his until the day I die. I think he's underrated as all hell. And, and I think the Lions failed him, not the other way around. But there is no way he is even close to top five. No way. All right. The last piece of news we have to discuss um, JJ Watt has officially been released from the Houston Texans outright cut, not traded, not anything. They just kicked him, kicked him to the curb. Um, it sounds like it was mutually a, a mutual thing. Um, and it sounds like, uh, a lot of uh, a the, the Texans are clearly going through a full rebuild. They keep they're insistent on Deshaun Watson's our quarterback of the future. Deshaun Watson's our quarterback of the future. I will believe it when I see it. 
I still don't really think there's any way that he is suiting up for the Texans under center on opening day 2021. Uh, I think that's that's a tactic just to get the, the – the, what am I trying to say? Get the market value up, get the return prices to get higher. That's all I think that is. Um, so, obviously, when a big-name player gets cut, the first thing everybody does is – Hey, you know, he should be a lion. Um, okay. Let, let's, let's talk about it. Okay. Here's my thing. Obviously, do I want JJ Watt to be a lion? Yeah. You're, I mean, there's, there's no way you can be like, oh, I, I don't want him on my team. But situationally. Let's let's just let's just look at it. He's gonna want a lot of money because he's still very good. He's still a you know, he won runner up for DPOI. He he that's a lie. His brother won runner up for DPOI. Um But regardless, <laughs> he is still very much a, a top end defender. He's not prime JJ anymore, which is probably why they're okay just releasing him why they didn't find a trade package for him because his contract plus his current level of play is is not quite doesn't quite match up but so obviously would JJ be a cool fit absolutely um (laughs) would he be a cool addition absolutely is he a fit no he's not really for either side if we're being honest why on earth would J.J. Watt, after 10 years of an inept, incompetent organization and voicing his frustrations at the end of every season and being very, uh, pretty much an open book about when he's pissed off about the Texans organization, why on, on, on God's green earth would he then come to the Detroit Lions, who are the poster child for inept organizations? Why on earth would he do that? And not only, not only are, are we just the Lions, because we do have a whole new front office and stuff, sure. I, I, I totally agree with the people that are of the belief that you can't just use SOL as like your your reasoning for why the lines will continue to be bad. I think that's lazy and 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 stupid. But so let's just look aside from that, okay? We are in the middle of a rebuild. We're in the middle of a rebuild. I I this defense is one of the worst things I've ever laid my eyes on. And it's sad cuz that could be said about you could take that snippet and you wouldn't really know if I was talking about the wings of the lions that there's no, there's no, there's no chance. It's not happening. We, we are not, we are also not paying JJ Watt the the money that he's probably going to demand to come here. It it doesn't make, why are we paying a guy in his thirties, a veteran that's past his prime? Why are we paying him? decent money to come here while we suck and lose 
none of it makes sense. It doesn't make sense for JJ to come here. It doesn't really make sense to the Lions to bring him in. And again, on a purely do you want JJ Watt to be on your team, obviously. I'm not an idiot. <laughs> well, I am, but you know. Uh, uh, yes, obvi- obviously. That being said, The fit is not there for either party. It, it, it makes no sense for, for either party. So don't get your hopes up. Don't think that that's a possibility because it's it's not. Um, possible landing spots. The early front runner right now uh, seems like Pittsburgh to go play with TJ, who was runner-up for DPOI. Um I don't know. Uh, he, he could end up a lot of places. Uh, there's already rumors flying around. Vegas is, is releasing their odds here soon about what they think. So um, it'll be a cool thing to keep an eye on. But it'll be a cool thing to keep an eye on as an outsider because there's no way he's coming here. Okay. All right. That will do it for the Detroit Lions, which means that will do it for our show. Thank you so much for listening. Uh I say this after every episode. I feel like a broken record, but but the response continues to be incredible for this. Uh, your guys' support is unreal. Uh, the the connections I'm making and the opportunities that are arising for me through doing this, uh, I don't think I do without having this. And the reason I have this is because of you guys that, that listen and, and want me to continue to make content and stuff. So I'm forever grateful and appreciative. Um and, and thank you so much for listening. If this, what is today? February 12th. So I will be back on Monday. What is that? The 15th? 12, 13, 14. Yeah, that's math, right? 15, it's either the 14th or the 15th. I think it's the 15th. I think that's correct math. Um, so I will see you all and be back in your eyes and ears on Monday. Hopefully we have an interesting weekend with some stuff to talk about. Um looking forward there's there's obviously there's a pistons game tonight wings will play uh tigers as they inch closer and closer to spring training we could see i'm hoping for another starting pitcher fingers crossed i'm praying we sign another starting pitcher because we need one because michael fulmer can't piss patch the third inning uh and then the lions there's always stuff to talk about the lions that's that's the 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 juggernaut always something to talk about there so so I will be back in your eyes and ears Monday. Thank you so much again for listening. Peace and love. Going to therapy's dope. I will see you all later. Have a great weekend. Go Detroit sports, baby. <laughs>